Well, I get the pleasure and the joy this morning of getting to be up here with my wife. This is my wife, Jada. Most, many of you know her. Uh, she was just up here singing, but uh, many of you may not know her. Uh, but this is my wife. We've been married for 15 years, which is hard to believe. And we have six kiddos. And so I've got to watch a lot of mothering uh, through her. Uh, and I can just honestly say on the front end of this discussion this morning that I am blown away by how incredible uh, of a mom she is. She is so gracious and, and just um, wise. Uh, and I watch her day in and day out of a front row seat to watch her life. And, and she manages so much. And she does it with uh, just such a, a grace. And, and so it's really a gift to me uh, that she's not just a great wife. She's an amazing wife, but she's also an amazing mom. And uh, I get to tell her that all the time. And so um, I know all of you men in the room, you wish you had the chance to stand on stage this morning, right, and say that about your wife. Because um, I'm getting brownie points here. No. Uh, but this all, it's all true. It really is. It's all true. I really do believe this about her. And, uh, and I'm excited this morning because we're going to do something a little different with Mother's Day. I thought it would be good to get some perspective from her, some insight from her. So you moms in the room, I pro- you're probably going to resonate more with what she says than what I say uh, about some of these things. Uh, but that's okay. That's, that's good. That's the way God's wired, wired you as moms. And there's a unique uh, experience as being a mom that I will never know. Uh, but I'm thankful that I've got an amazing wife and, and mom of our children. So... We have been uh, in a series now, really just for a week. This is our second week into the series called Uncommon Family. And uh, we talked a little bit last week in setting the, the table for this series that uh, we want to be uncommon in how we do family. But this does not mean that we believe that we can be perfect families. Uh, we, we, don't mean this, we don't think this means that we can figure it all out and have everything uh, exactly right. Uh, we are all works in progress and Jada and I will share stories today that will give you glimpses into the shock household. And if you came to the shock household, you would go, and they let him be the pastor? Um, you know, like, there's moments like that where it's like, okay, what in the world is going on here, okay? Uh, because we struggle, just like you struggle, uh, that there are difficult days. The way I think about it is that, you know, when you marry another person, it's two sinners, uh, two people who, are, who have sin in their life who get married and they try to work through uh, that relationship that's so unique and dynamic called marriage. And then you start adding baby sinners to the equation. Uh, and if you're like us, you get to six baby sinners. And so every child means more sin in your house, right? Uh, it's kind of how we think about it. But it's also a beautiful blessing because we get to experience the redemption of God in all of that, uh, even in the midst of the, the difficult days. And so today, I was thinking about what would be, one, appropriate for moms, but two, as we continue this idea of uncommon family, that God has uncommon wisdom from His Word because He invented family, He created family, He established it. He's given us uncommon wisdom to apply to our life so that we could experience uncommon blessings, uncommon fulfillment in family. And I was thinking about what is one thing I hear consistently out of moms' mouths, and it's this, I just want some peace at home. <laughs> I hear a lot of moms say that. I would, I, if I could just get peace at home, right? If I, could, if I could just find some peace and solace at home. And so here's what we're going to do. For the next two weeks, we're going to unpack this idea of uncommon peace. That God has a lot to say, this, say about this. That he wants us to experience peace on the home front. Uh, but it is elusive. And that's actually, if you're following along in the guide, the first blank there for you is that we all want peace at home, but it tends to be elusive in our lives. It tends to be something that we, we kind of get a handle on and then it's gone. And it's like we drift from, from signs of, or little pockets of peace into chaos, 
Okay, And, and so part of the, the reason why is because it's the fallen world that we live in. Uh, we live in a world that is plagued by difficulty and hardship. We are plagued, and the Bible tells us that, that we're in a, a world full of sin, and that that sin has consequences, and part of that is strife. It's difficulty. Uh, it's things that we deal with every day, and sickness, and suffering, and sadness, and all those, those, those feelings that just overwhelm us that come from living in a fallen world. And so we want peace. We long for peace. We just want that place of, oh, if I could just find rest, you know, if I could just get rest from the chaos, right? And so let's think just for a second about, you know, what is peace? Uh, Peace is, according to Scripture, this idea of really resting deeply. Resting deeply, like coming back to this place where, where we really are uh, calm, where we are, the words in the, in the, in the dictionary are serene or tranquil, uh, but this, that there's this inner, inner calmness that comes on us. And if you're like me, that is not a, a typical feeling in life. That is not a common feeling and experience in life. There's much of our lives that just creates anxiety and worry and fear and doubt and stress, right? I mean, and family, the context where we do a lot of life can be just as stressful and chaotic and, and as painful as our workplace, as our, uh, the, the settings that we find ourselves on a daily basis. And so, as I say that to you this morning, I want you to know God wants us to have peace. He wants us to really experience that deep rest, even in the midst of chaos and conflict. Because we do live in a world full of chaos. We do live in a world full of conflict. And God says it's not going to go away anytime soon, right? Until he comes back, until he returns, until he fixes all the broken things, we're going to continue to deal with chaos and conflict. And so that's why we're doing this as two parts, because this week we want to really address the issue of chaos and how that our world is chaotic and how can we still find rest in the midst of that. Uh, And then on the flip side of it, we also have a lot of conflict, relational difficulties. And so next week we're going to talk about how do we combat the conflict that arises on the home front when two people don't see things eye to eye. Because inevitably, even if you're a Christian, even if you're a Christ follower, uh, you are going to still have conflict, right? Uh, the way we think about it, we've, maybe you've heard me say it before, is that this, the Bible says that the two will become one. And we believe that the two are becoming one. The, the issue is, is that we're fighting it out to see which one we're becoming. Okay, And so there's this difficult conflict that goes on in our daily lives that's reflective of just being human beings in a fallen world. Okay, So let's look specifically today at this issue of how do we find peace, uncommon peace, in the midst of chaos. And Jade is going to speak directly to some of the practical ways that we have seen in our own lives God bring us to a place of peace. Uh, One of the passages that came immediately to mind as I was thinking through this, and there's multiple passages in the Bible about peace— was this passage from Philippians chapter 4. And actually one of our elders brought it up again in our elder meeting. What about this passage in Philippians chapter 4? And as I began to think about it, God began to confirm this is where we needed to go. Because as I said last week, if you were here, um, you go into the Bible, there's not a book specifically on family. Uh, It's not like there's a book that's just designated just a family that has A, B, C, D, here's the plan, and here's how you implement that plan so that you can experience the greatest family ever. Okay, it's not there. But throughout the Bible, there are passages about family and there are passages about how God wants to shape us and that how he shapes us personally will then impact and affect how we do family. Are you with me? So last week we actually read from Deuteronomy chapter 6 
And it's one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament uh, where the, the God says to, the, to Israel, he says, there is only one God and you're here to love him with all your heart and mind and strength. And he says, you need to teach this to your children. But before he says you teach it to your children, he first says, you need to what? You need to embrace it in your own heart. Meaning that you need to personalize that God is one and you need to love God before you start to reproduce that in your children. And here's the principle. We will reproduce ultimately who we are in the lives of our children. Now, you may not be a parent today. You may have a hope to be a parent in the future. But if you are a parent, whether you are in the early throes of parenting, the difficulties and the challenges of that, or whether you've now come out of that stage where your kids are all grown up, you realize that this, when you back off a little bit, it is true that you reproduce yourself in your children, even when you don't want to, right? Sometimes you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have reproduced that in them. And you hear them say things that sound just like you, if you're honest. And you're disciplining them and you're like, wait, 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 I do the same thing. <laughs> we don't admit in front of them sometimes, but it's true. We, we reproduce those things in our kids. So we reproduce what we value. We reproduce the things that we really care about, the things that we are pursuing, uh, the rhythms and ways of life. We reproduce that in our kids. So uh, when we think about the, the passages of Scripture, though, uh, God wants us as parents, as husbands, as wives, to personally have a relationship with God, and that relationship will impact how we do family. And in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, there's an interesting passage of Scripture that Paul writes to the people at Philippi. And I'll give you just a touch of context, because we don't want to just jump into a text without understanding what it's surrounded by, the context in which it's in. Um, Paul is writing a letter to these people at Philippi, and he's writing it from jail. He's in a jail cell. And so he's writing this, this letter, and he's trying to encourage the people of, uh, of Philippi. I don't know how many of you have been in jail or prison before. I know some people who have. I don't think that they tend to, to focus their time and energy on encouraging others while they're there. And yet that's exactly what Paul is doing. He's encouraging them, and he's saying, hey, listen, even in shackles, even in hardship, we can still be hopeful in God. We can still invest our lives in things that matter. And so Paul's writing this, and, and, and kind of the theme of it is that you can still have joy and peace in the midst of hardship. Okay? And so it's appropriate because, again, all of us in this room face hardship and difficulty, and we can still have joy and peace even in difficulty that's not going away, even in the midst of all that. And so let me just read this passage to you. Um, and by the way, uh, last year, 2014, I believe, is the, the year that they, went, they tracked this off of. Uh, this was one of the most searched and read scriptures in all of the Bible on the internet, okay? Which tells you a lot about how people feel about life, all right? So here we go. Here it goes. Verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Maybe your version of scripture says, do not be anxious, that's actually what the, the, the original language meant there. Do not be anxious. Don't have anxiety in you. Okay? But he goes on to say, But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to say, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. See, follow his example. Paul says, you can look at my example and follow my example. And the God, coach, catch this last phrase, and the God of peace will be with you. 
Okay? So you hear this word peace come up in this, in this section of Scripture. Well, notice where he starts. He says, don't be, wor- don't be worried or don't be anxious. Anybody anxious or worried today? Anybody experience anxiety or worry in this past week? Right? It's a, it's a normal part of our humanity. And in the midst of that, if you're like me, our tendency is to try to address that anxiety, that worry, by trying harder to control the circumstances that are causing that anxiety, that worry, that fear. Are you with me? Uh, we tend to try to work harder. We try to press more into ourselves and our ability to manipulate situations, circumstances, relationships, control those things, and try to fix them on our own. But notice what Paul says. He doesn't say, when you're worried, fix yourself. What does he say to do? The first thing that we see here that is a, uh, a big uh, bullet point in terms of learning how to live and experience the peace that God has for us is to pursue God in prayer. It starts with prayer. He says, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Wait, now that, that right there is even crazy. Just, just think about this. He's talking about when you're stressed out, when you're anxious, when you're worried, when you're fearful, thank God. That's not normal, is it? That's uncommon. But he says, do that. Pursue God in thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So he says three different, really four different ways of pointing to the same idea that we should pursue God in prayer. That the first response to hardship and difficulty and trial in our life should be not to freak out, but to pray, to turn to God. And here's the beautiful thing. God wants you to turn to him. He is waiting for you to turn to him. He is waiting for you to to look to him as the source of hope in your life. Um, There's even a passage of scripture in Matthew where Jesus is teaching, and he's going through what they call the Beatitudes, these, these blessings. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You ever heard that, that phrase before? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Literally, uh, you could see it. Blessed are those who come to the end of their rope. They're hanging on by a thread. Maybe you have felt that way this week. And I want you to know the reason why he says you are blessed when you get to that point is because it's in that point you tend to look up finally and say, I can't fix this. God, I need you. And you pray. And there's an amazing thing that happens when we pray because God's father heart for his children is to move on their behalf. And so he wants us to seek him because prayer is not just an activity, it's a relationship. It's a connection to the Father. It's a connection to God. And so he wants us to pray. And notice he says that. He says, let your request be made known to God. We can call on God. So I've asked Jay to share a little bit about how prayer has impacted our life on the home front and how we've seen God give us peace in our own hearts amidst the chaos of raising our six children. Of all the things that... um... Nick has asked me to share on just kind of practically how we apply these things in our home. Um, Can I just be honest that this is the one that I feel the most unworthy to share with you about because I know how far I have to grow in this area, but I have seen God as we have committed ourselves to prayer more in the recent past. I have seen God moving on behalf of our family in a way that I had not seen before. And so I'm excited to share that with you that wherever you feel like you are in your prayer life, press in. Do it more. There's no way that you can pray too much. But for us, um, we know the value of starting our day first thing in our bedroom. First thing, we wake up and we start in prayer and in God's word. And we know the days that we don't when, you know, something 
catastrophic is happening upstairs and we like move on beyond that, we can feel it. The whole family can. But there are times that our kids wander into our bedroom and we're not done. And we'll just tell them, you know what? This is our time. I'm going to be a better mom to you if you leave me alone right now. <laughs> and so Amen. Just, we just prioritize that. And when our kids do come, we send them off for their own time in the word and their own time in prayer. And so um, that has really been impactful. God cares about your day. He cares about that. He has his agenda for your day. And when we press into that, we get to see and hear what God has in store. And he brings a peace. That's been, um, it's been a common, I mean, prayer every day that we're praying, God, bring peace to our home. Because we know we've come to the end of ourselves. We can't do that on our own. It is only through the power of the Spirit that we can have peace in our home. But I want to share with you this because this really um, is just really impactful to me. Mark 1 35. You don't have to turn there if you don't want, but I'm going to summarize. And it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up to pray. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to get up and press into his Father to know what God's purpose for him for that day was, don't you think you and I need to do that? Mm. I mean, that was just like, whoa. Mm. You know, Jesus needed to know. And then just a few verses down, okay, the disciples are like, looking for him. I get this picture in my head that, you know, there's like people that need healed and there's just like the chaos of Jesus's life was pressing in. And the disciples are like, hang on just a minute. We're going to go find him. We don't know where he is. They finally find him. He's praying. And Jesus gets up from that place. And he, he says in 38, he says, okay, let's go to the neighboring villages. We're going to preach there too. This is why I have come. And that statement ends there. This is why I have come. He knew, he knew what he was there for. Like his purpose was abundantly clear. And I think that is connected to his time in prayer with his father to know what his purpose for that day was. And so um, I just know that I have my own to-do list. I have my own agendas. I think I know what I'm supposed to do every day, but I am a fool to not lay that before the father and say, God, this is what I think I'm supposed to do today, but what do you have in store for me? And so just encourage you with that. One other thing I'll share is... um, you guys know this all too well. I mean, whether you are a working mom, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a single mom, I mean, whatever your circumstances are, it gets crazy, doesn't it? I mean, it's just busy. There's so much to do. And there are just those moments when, like, kids are yelling, things are flying, and you're just (laughs) going, oh, my goodness, what just happened? For us, it is one of the most awkward things. I'm just telling you, when you start this, it's just going to feel awkward. But there are just moments that I just start praying out loud. I mean, just Lord, we prayed for peace this morning and this is not what I had in mind, but we're just asking you right now, God, bring peace to our home. And sometimes I'm even calling kids out, Lord, I just pray over this one in your name. And I pray over that one. And you know, we just start praying and it's amazing what that does with our kids because all of a sudden they're like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. I mean that God who sees me, he sees me, you know, and mom's like talking to him right now. And so it gets a little awkward, but I've seen God work in those moments. And another situation that we often will do is, um, you know, sometimes that like praying out loud thing um, just doesn't seem to fit the moment. Maybe we have behaviors that are not reflecting Christ and we just kind of need to huddle in. And so we huddle up. We'll get in a circle. And one of my friends said, you know, it's funny that you have enough people to make a circle, but we do. So we make a circle and we just sit there and we just talk about like, okay, I see this. Is this reflecting Christ? You know, your attitude here, 
It's disrespectful. What does God think about that? But we just have this little moment where we just stop and talk and we pray. We just ask God to intervene in that moment. And I'm telling you so often, that changes the tone of our hearts. It changes the tone of my voice because I'm sitting there, temperature rising, blood is boiling, like something's fixing to happen that I'm going to have to repent from. (laughs) And not all the time. I mean, there are moments that I snap. But so often I'm finding that prayer is so much more effective. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage you with that, that um, you really can usher not only your heart, but the hearts of your kids to the Father and find peace in the midst of those chaotic moments. Yeah, that's really, really good. And I've gotten to see this happen, and it is awkward. Um, no, it's really fun, actually. And, uh, and, and our kids, like, that's become normal for them now, that just to stop in the chaos and uh, just start praying and, and seeing what God does. But I know the other thing, men in the room, just a practical thing you can do on this is, you know, when I leave for my day in the morning, and there's a lot of times I have early morning meetings with men before they go to work, and so, uh, but during this season, I try to be more focused on being at home when my kids get up and trying to have breakfast and, uh, with them and just talking to them in the morning. And at our breakfast table, one of the last things that I pray is just for peace and joy in our home. And uh, we really have seen God answer that prayer, uh, just that God would give our home a place of peace. Uh, it would be a place of peace, and when people come in, they would experience that. And um, Sometimes it feels like, did you hear that prayer, God? Um, but, other, but, but in many ways, we do see how God has answered that. So encourage you in that prayer, present your request to God. Second thing, and it's kind of implied in the text, and Jada already touched on it a little bit, is this idea of pace. Um, you don't pray if you're running at too quick of a pace. Now, I realize that many of you in this room, if you're like me, you're addicted to busyness. You want to be a busy body. You're, you're running hard. You've got your schedules overly packed and full. And so you don't have time to pray. Um, I had one of my mentors once say to me that the reason we pray or we don't pray is not actually because we're too busy. It's because we're too self-reliant. Um, I think that's absolutely true. But our busyness is kind of an a, a, a ability for us to say, hey, I've got 18 things I've got to get done before noon, and so I'm going to run and do those things. And all the while we neglect what's most important, which is to stop, to be still, and know that he is God. That's what Psalm 46.10 says. He says, you know, in the midst of all the hardship, in the midst of the craziness, stop your striving, be still, and know that I am God. And so I know in our lives that reflection and rest is very, very important. We try uh, to be consistent at having at least one day a week where we just rest, where we just set aside things. Uh, During this season, it's been more of a challenge for me uh, than than in previous times. And there's a couple things that affect that, impact that. But having a regular rhythm of rest. If you are a young couple who do not have children yet, set these uh, patterns in place now. Okay? Uh, set these patterns and these ways of life in place where you have time to rest each week. Um, we, we joke about it a lot, but Friday nights is our date night, and it's our sanity, uh, particularly for Jada. You know, just getting away from the noise and us having some time just to sit and to, to rest and reflect. And so I know some of you, uh, you have adopted the view of culture that busy is better. Uh, but let me just remind you that busy is not always better, and just doing a lot of stuff isn't always more productive. Jesus never looked like a, he was living a hurried life, and yet in 33 years he accomplished so much. And I think about that fairly often, that Jesus was incredibly productive because he had a pace that was healthy, and he really tied himself into the Father so that he could do what he was supposed to do, what was most important, not what was just good, but what was most important. And so that rest, uh, rhythm, rhythm of rest and reflection is really huge. 
for our lives. So, so Jada, speak to that a little bit because there are a lot of ways we get pulled and could be involved and invested, but how do we navigate some of that in terms of pace? Well, I have to start out by kind of like going back to what we just talked about in prayer because um, we often do um, just set our own schedules and forget to just ask the Lord what he has for us for that day. So going back to that, I can't say that enough. But another thing that I really, there's a few things actually I want to share. And um, you know how in photography, I love this on Instagram, like there's those filters. And when you get a good one, it's going to make you see even more clearly the picture that you were trying to highlight. And so I have a few filters. It's kind of like even like a lens that you might put on that you're going to see more clearly um, through these filters. And so for me, this all will happen in just split seconds. But when I am faced with the demands of life, the decisions of just say yes to this, no to that. I don't know. I mean, there's like a million things pressing in and I've got to have a sustainable pace, not only for myself, but for my family. There are these, these filters that I think through, and I just want to share them with you. I hope that some of this is helpful, but I will often think about, okay, this feels urgent. I have someone knocking at my door saying, you know, I need you to do this or that email or that text message or that phone call. I mean, whatever it is, we have media coming at us at a hundred miles an hour, like never before. We have access to knowing what every other mom out there is doing and then judging ourselves in light of that and feeling like failures, right? (laughs) Makes us think we need to do more. We've got to put on filters that say, okay, this feels urgent. But if I say yes to this, am I actually saying no to something that's more important? We've said yes so many times to the urgent things that were really not important. And then we, don't, we run out of time for the things that are most important. So um, does the urgent rule my life? Or am I going to let the important things um, help me navigate my day? Um, kind of coupling with that is this principle, this filter called choosing to cheat. Inevitably, if I say yes to one thing, I am saying no to another. It's just how it works. There's only 24 hours in a day. I can only do so much. And so if I say yes to that, what is the no that I'm inevitably saying no to? Is that my kids? Is that my family? Is that ministry to a person that's really more important than, you know, some fun thing that I want to do for myself. And that's not to say that we can't ever do relaxing, fun things for ourselves, but it just helps me to process this pace of life when I remember yes to this means no to what. And I just kind of think through that. Um, Another filter that I want to just challenge you with that God has really um, pressed me with is we are, as a culture, really being told that experiences are what it's all about. If we have enough after-school activities for our kids, extracurricular activities, if we are doing this, that, and the other, then we are going to have these amazing, well-rounded kids. But what we're missing in those experiences is that our kids oftentimes are really relationally poor. So I call this the experientially rich but relationally poor filter that I want to make sure that I'm raising our kids, that we are raising our kids to not just have all these things to do that keep our pace at a crazy pace that we can't really keep up with and we're exhausted at the end of them but we've never we haven't connected with anyone we've Mm -hmm. not really learned how to walk in relationship and serve other people and and take the time to really learn when we've made a mistake have we talked through that and gone back and made that mistake right so 
that's that's another filter just um challenge you with experientially rich versus relationally um poor that when i'm thinking about pace and the time that we're investing in things um all of these things kind of in a split second will just run through my mind all right what am i doing how am i prioritizing and if we're not able to prioritize god and people and relationships over all this other stuff i think that we're oftentimes becoming a slave like I was saying earlier, a slave to the urgent, but the important stuff, people, mm-hmm. are often getting pushed to the wayside. So mm-hmm. um, that's, I know I could share more, but yeah. that really helps us. Oh, and, I, and we just, we really talk, and Nick already said this, but not only to each other, but we look at our kids and say, I mean, are we just having meltdown after meltdown after meltdown? We're probably exhausting them. <laughs> so we need to be in tune, moms, to how our kids are doing. And if it's just too much, we just need to slow down. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Um, yeah, you've really helped me with this this issue and making sure we're we're resting well. Um, you know, we're not deities, so we don't have a capacity to run twenty four seven, three sixty five, and survive. We're gonna fall over uh, dead. We're gonna we're gonna basically hit a lid and and crash and burn. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to that point. I, I want to rest and, and follow God's pattern from the very beginning, which was on the seventh day. He what? He rested. He set that in place for us for a reason, for a purpose. The third P, you notice these are all P words? The third, we, third, third P here is um, perspective. Perspective. Um, the way I like to think about this, and, and as families in the room, you get this, but it's really easy to get lost in the moment. And, and what, I, what I believe God's word tells us is that we need to live in the moment, but not get lost in the moment. So we need to be present in the moment, but not get overwhelmed and consumed by what's going on in the moment. Um, Jade and I have the privilege of getting to interact with parents who are ahead of us in life. And if you are a young family, a young couple, uh, maybe not even married yet, I encourage you to find couples that are ahead of you and say, hey, can we go to dinner? Can we buy you dinner? Can we buy you coffee? Or could you buy us coffee? Um, and, and so basically like, then go out and usually they'll feed you better than you could feed yourself. And, and basically say, would you just tell us everything that you did as you were raising your children? And so even Friday night, we just had another one of those experiences, and that happens fairly often for us because we just try to pursue those relationships and those conversations, and we just try to be learners. It's a good thing to be a learner, okay? And, and so just say, hey, like, how can, how can we do better as parents? What, what insights would you give us? And we consistently hear this issue of don't get lost in the moment because it's just a season and it goes so fast, Right? And for those of you that are parents of kids that are now in high school or maybe even out of high school, you're empty nesters, you realize how fast time goes. And so in that moment, uh, we've got to press into God and realize that, yeah, our kids may be rebelling. It may be crazy. It may be chaotic. But there's a bigger picture. See the bigger picture. And not just the bigger picture of this life that we're parenting for the long term, but we're also parenting for eternity. Not as in we will have to parent for eternity. That would be bad uh, for some of us in the room. Like, no, I don't want to have parent for eternity. I want this to be a season. But, but that we are truly understanding that life is short. It's temporary. It's a breath. It's a vapor. And that there is an eternal reality going on here. And that one day we will get to rest from all the work we're doing in these particular seasons that we find ourselves in. So just know that perspective really helps. Notice in the passage he says, And the peace of God, which per- surpasses every thought 
a lot of the battles that we fight in chaos are in our mind, right? We are struggling through the thought process of what's going on and our thoughts begin to consume us and you wake up in the middle of the night and you're anxious and you're stressed and you're worried and your brain's going 800 miles an hour and you're like, why? It's because what you have let your brain do is to really start to think about the things of the earth and we need to do what he says here. We need to put our minds on the things above. Uh, Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if any praise, you know, dwell on these things. Let God reformat our brains. Think, think about the big picture. Think about the eternal realities. So Jada, how do we do that? How do you see it uh, in our lives? Because again, this is a, a constant battle for us um, to keep that perspective. And particularly for you, I know when I'm getting ready to come home from work, uh, I didn't do this early on, but I learned pretty fast. I needed to call her and say, hey, can you give me a little heads up on what's going on on the home front? Uh, because a lot of times I, was, I, I needed to know what I was getting ready to walk into, right? Uh, what, things good, uh, things thumbs down, right? And, uh, and being ready to go in and support her in that, in that chaos. Yeah, that is all too true. <laughs> um, yes, I have to kind of go back to what Nick was saying. Um, that date night is so important for us. And if you're single in the room, just getting time alone to just kind of process through like, how are we doing? How are we doing with the week behind us and the week ahead of us to, um, to look at the here and now, but also the bigger picture. Nick is better at this. I've always been kind of like the reality person, the realist. <laughs> and um, Nick, is, Nick is my faith guy. And I'm so thankful for that because we balance each other well. I need to hear his faith when I'm just feeling really beat down and frustrated and fearful in the moment. And I just want to pause for a minute and like, Think about that, that frustration, that fear that we can feel as moms when we're kind of like in the middle of it. And that is not of God, but our God is so much greater than that. And he has shown us a way to have faith instead of the fear. And so when I think about perspective, um, we too were reminded, it was just a sweet conversation um, from this mentor couple that we got to meet with on Friday night. And she spoke to this and I just grabbed onto that. I'm like, I'm going to just, I just want to repeat everything you just said on Sunday. But it really was such a sweet reminder that the God of the universe that pursued you and me, the God that was able to see through our rebellious stage and still press in and pursue us to chase after us. Some of you came from homes where your parents were really laying that faith foundation for you. And that's awesome. Some of you didn't have that. And you were pursued by God, even without that growing up in a Christian faith. And so if God can pursue you and bring him to a place of trusting in him and resting in him, can we not believe that that same God is big enough to do that for our kids? Hmm. And I need to hear that every day that I'm going to lay that foundation and I'm thankful that I get the opportunity to lay that foundation for our kids. But I've got to step back and I've got to trust the Lord. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to deal with the rebellion and the disobedience and have some like conversations and natural um, consequences that come. We're not going to ignore the present. We're going to deal with it in a way that honors God, but we're also not going to get stuck in the fear of that and really believe that God, our loving father has pursued me and he's going to pursue my kids too. Mm -hmm. And so when I can just release them to him saying, God, these are your children before they're my children, I'm just entrusted. I'm just stewarding them for you. He cares enough to pursue them. And that 
gives me perspective. It gives me like that view of this is bigger than me. God is so much bigger than my parenting and my failures. How many of you like mm-hmm. sit around, lay in bed at night, worried that all of your mistakes in parenting is going to totally come back and bite you, that you're, you know, setting your kids up for failure because I blew it today. God's bigger than that. He has, he has a big picture view of what's going on in our daily lives. So, um, yeah, finding couples, having people of faith, you know, maybe that's a friend for you or maybe it is your husband, but having people of faith that can help remind you of that and help you see the bigger picture when you're really struggling with fear, um, super helpful for me. That's awesome. Well, the last one as we close out uh, the time this morning is another P word, (laughs) but it's the idea of presence. Uh, Listen, maybe you are a single parent and you are fighting a difficult battle uh, to parent your children alone. I want you to know this morning, God is with you. He is for you. Um, I haven't had to walk in your shoes. I haven't had to go down that road. But as I watch single moms battle it out on their own, uh, I want to just say to them, God loves you. He is for you. He is with you. Uh, that this church family, we want to be uh, that, that family that, that can be there to support you in those hardships. Uh, whether you are fostering, which we have some, some folks who are fostering kids and they need support, whether you're a single parent, or whether you are a married couple that's just going through hardship and difficulty. Maybe you're a blended family. Maybe, maybe you uh, are a family that is, feels very fractured. Listen, this is the thing we cling to this morning, is that God is with us. And he is for us. Um, Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. There's Paul, what he says in verse 9. And he says, and the God of peace will be what? With you. Two verses I just want to close us out with this morning. John chapter 16. Jesus is there with his disciples. And as I said on the beginning of this message this morning, we live in a world that is plagued by chaos and conflict. Would you agree? It's plagued by chaos and conflict. And so that's not going away anytime soon. And why can I say that this morning with confidence that it's not going away? Because that's exactly what Jesus said. He said in John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you might have trouble. No, he says you will have trouble. But you take heart. I have overcome the world. Man, I bank on that this morning, don't you? Like, I am thankful, yeah, I am thankful that I don't have to overcome the world on my own because I can't overcome the world, but God can and he has. And Jesus has given us hope that one day all this broken stuff will be made right. And the moments when it's chaotic on the home front, again, perspective comes in because the presence of God, that he is near. He is near to the brokenhearted. He is near to us in our mess. He doesn't run from us, he runs to us. And he wants us to run to him. And the last verse here, this is just a verse that's been in my head all week long. I've been marinating on. Verse from Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says this. Maybe this is a good one for you to memorize. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. He is not going to fail us. He is not going to be shifting sand under our feet. Our circumstances might, but God will not fail us. He will not leave us. He will not abandon us, okay? And so you can know this morning that God loves you. And moms, 
You may feel like there's days you utterly fail and God loves you just as much when you fail as when you succeed. And dads, you may feel like you've totally blown it and that you have just totally messed up. And I want you to know that God loves you even in the midst of your failings and in your flounderings just as much as when, he did, when you succeed and you're dad of the year. Um, because our God is good. He is gracious. So I've asked Jada this morning just to pray a prayer of blessing and peace over you. Uh, in fact, she's going to actually pray from, uh, from Romans. And, and I just want us to hear that this, this morning that God, uh, his presence is what ultimately brings peace in our lives. Because Jesus is the prince of peace. He is the source of what we are longing for.